Welcome back, everybody. It is April 2nd. It is about nine o'clock Eastern time, just after the hour. And we are back for another episode of Brewing with Conviction. Tonight, I'm joined with George by George and Jesus. We're going to have a three-person podcast, I think, for the first time in our podcast history. So that'd be pretty neat. And we're going to be covering the Ikoria spoilers. There has been a ton to unpack today. Lots of Lots of stuff was dropped on us. There's a lot of mythic spoil we're going to be talking about and some really cool new mechanics. We're going to be covering the, the mechanics just, you know, from a complexity standpoint, the set does look pretty complex and, and challenging, not necessarily great for new players in, in that regard. We're going to talk on that and touch on that. And finally, we'll offer some ideas around, you know, just some reactions to these new mechanics, to the new cards we've seen some some cards that we're seeing reactions to and then what's already spiked and then kind of cover that as well and then finally we'll wrap it up with some potential cards that we're looking at or speculating on so i'll go ahead and get started we'll, we'll kick this thing off we're going to talk about the new mechanics and jesus i'll kick it over to you to start with let's talk about companion which is the big i, I would probably use the word controversial mechanic that was spoiled today during the first round of Ikoria spoilers the the companion feature mechanic itself is basically allowing cards to be cast from outside the game. And in the EDH community, obviously we, we know this from the rules that you're really not in the past been allowed to have things like wish boards or sideboards. So they kind of contradict in the standpoint, from the standpoint that you're now allowed in certain decks to have 101 cards. Now I want to preface two things, the adorable otter, uh, I think it was Lacori or something like that. I, I should probably have the name in front of me, but the Otter was banned uh, right off the bat. It, it'll never see play in EDH out of the gates uh, due to how just amazing it would be in Is It decks. But the other companion cards so far that have been spoiled are not super, uh, they're very restrictive with the, the companion feature. And so none of those have been banned to date yet. Uh, and that could theoretically change as more spoilers come out. So, Jesus, do you want to give your thoughts on the companion mechanic? Yeah, uh, the the card is Lutri, the spell chaser, by the way. So, the companion mechanic is very interesting. I think that it is both a blessing and a curse. I'm very split on this. I love the idea of having an additional deck building uh, restriction and to reap the benefits from it with powerful cards. You know, I'm a spike. Um, but the biggest problem I see with this is the rules committees, uh, and, and from an EDH perspective, uh, the rules committee's response to this, rather than saying, no, it's banned. Well, no, these cards do not function because they are, uh, because you cannot cast spells from outside the game, which has been a consistent rule. Um, they've gone against their own rules in this sense in saying that you can have a companion so long as you meet its conditions. So now you have your commander and your companion, and in some that exists in a non-zone as a 101st card, yet we can't have a wish board to use wish effects, so then I can, like, minus my Karn the Great Creator. Come on. It's... I can see why people are pissed about it. I'm pissed about it. It's inconsistent, and I think a little hypocritical to just kind of throw pre-existing rules out the window to try to implement something new. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a little and, bummed by the inconsistency here. And, you know, I, I, I think my issue with 
the choice to ban one card but not all of them is that it was focused on the power level of the card and not the fact that it breaks the broader rules and it feels like they're the uh, rules committee is kind of just ignoring the fact that we've never allowed cards outside of your 100 before so i don't know i'm, I'm not thrilled by it it's I, i'm trying to look at the positives i think the set's going to be amazing and so i've been trying to focus on that i think it looks amazing the art's fantastic and there's a lot of great mechanics but i am a little bit bummed about just the the nature of companion for a lot of reasons George, do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, I know you're not as as into EDH, but what are your, what's your take on Companion so far? Just more maybe mechanically from a constructed point of view. Uh, I think from constructed, it's going to be super interesting. I, I agree with both of you, though. It's I don't know. So this reminds me, if you think about way back to like Urza's what Urza's Legacy when they banned Memory Jar before it was even legal. Like this just feels kind of way out of left field. Don't get me wrong, the card's absurd. If, if you're playing in an Izzet deck and you can fork all of your draw spells, we all know, you know, all, all the older spells are way better than the newer spells. So that's probably going to get out of hand really fast. But why not give it, you know, two weeks to a month to let it play out, see what kind of decks people play with, and then kind of go from there. Um, I think from Constructed, it'll be fine. Um, I don't know if it's going to change a lot. Um, you know, because right now, standard's really dominated by, you know, there's a couple of aggro decks, and then it's a ton of mid-range decks. And um, I guess I could potentially see this in, uh, you know, maybe the Team of Reclamation deck, because uh, being able to leave up three mana to uh, copy your expansion explosion for a lesser amount, you know, if you're playing the Wilderness Reclamation uh, deck, could be great. Um, otherwise, though, I, I don't think you're going to see, you know, a new is at deck come out of this or anything like that so um but no i'm with you guys it's i don't see why they wouldn't at least you know just give it a chance in edh see what happens with it let people actually get to play with the new cards that's because that's kind of the whole reason for the set right uh and the whole reason which i'm sure we'll get into a little bit later why they kind of are coinciding uh commander 20 it, it's a standalone product and it's got you know a ton of icoria cards in those as well so i, I just wish they would have you know let it play out, see, you know, if it wrecked the format before they went and made a brash decision. Yeah, yeah, sort of, I, I won't spend too much, we'll, we'll segue over to Mutate here in, in one second, just to wrap these thoughts up, though. I, I think my, my biggest issue with it from a broader perspective is just the lack of design, right? So this is like the third set in a row now where we've had something happen where cards are really not making it, la like, they're, they're not making it longer than a few weeks in their formats or in, in this case they never even got to see the format you know we had underworld breach in theros and then before that we obviously had oko and and it's just been kind of a letdown with the way that the overall design of the sets has been coming out where the they're the, you're having an oops card almost every set and and you know it's it's to be expected you would have oops cards there's no way to predict all of the different possible interactions and test these things in the given time frame that these sets are built and designed. But the fact that we've had oops cards three sets in a row now just is, is a little bit of a bummer. So anyway, that we'll wrap that up. But that the companion mechanic itself is very interesting. It's definitely pushing the design, you know, into another area that we'll, you know, we'll have to see how that unfolds moving forward. Uh, Jesus, let's let's pivot over to mutate. So mutate is a really interesting mechanic. And it effectively 
it reminds me of Bestow in a lot of ways, but just a little bit, you know, a little bit different. It, it has to target a non-human creature, which is unique. But uh, what are your, what's your take on Mutate so far? Mm, I feel like it is both a success and a failure from a kind of thematic perspective. I love the mechanics itself. Like you said, it's Bestow. Um, I think it's a little bit better in because uh, you'll if the creature dies, they go to the graveyard, and you can kind of mess around with recursion. People have mentioned that if you mutate uh, Kiki Jiki with a non, well, with a non-legendary mutate creature, you go infinite. So there's potential for that in modern, uh, like Kiki Cord combo stuff like that. Um. I feel like recursion is kind of the big thing here, where it's a lot harder to recur uh, enchantments. Like enchantment creatures, kind of, um, they're kind of easier to remove stuff like that. These things are just creatures, so they don't get hit by enchantment removal. Meaning, unless white exiles them, it's going to be harder for them to deal with it. Uh, I see like a mutate mid range deck potentially in standard coming up. Uh, or some way to be able to mess around with the gods, but I don't really see any sort of big waves coming out of this set, well, out of this mechanic. Yeah, most of the mythics we saw today have mutate, and there's not a clear, I, I'll say, obvious way to abuse it yet. But that being said, it's it's going to be really interesting. Saffron Olive actually posted a tweet earlier that I think was like spot on. It was that this mechanic is hard to conceptualize but might be very natural and easy once we can play it you know in in person whether you're playing paper or arena i think that's exactly right like i, I think once we can see this thing play out and we can start testing with it it'll be pretty obvious whether it's really good or or not as good um but yeah that's kind of you know I, I agree it's it's hard to evaluate this with it with it being brand new and, and not super obvious what it what it will do in terms of an impact on the board state Do you have any thoughts on Mutate? On, on again, kind of the constructed point of view. Anything to add to that, or you know, thoughts from your perspective? Uh, no, it's yeah. I just had to reread the thing, you know, like three times again. So now I think I understand a little better. So it's what if you're trying to mutate a creature, um, once it's on the creature, essentially it's like an aura. So if the mutated creature dies, then whatever the creature underneath or above it dies as well. So from that standpoint, it's just like having uh, an aura on a creature. Uh, the only difference is, is what if you're targeting a creature to mutate it, uh, and with that ability on the stack, the creature that you're trying to mutate onto is destroyed, then the creature that you're casting from your hand still comes into play just as a creature rather than, for all intents and purposes, an aura. So I'm starting to understand it a little better. The other thing, too, that will be neat and kind of lead to some interesting decisions is you know, the card name and everything else, the abilities are all for the, the card on top. So you may have, you know, certain things where for whatever, it may have something to do with a card name. This card name can't be played. This card name can't attack, things like that. And if you, you know, put the card on top instead of on the bottom, then you may end up in situations like that. So I think it's going to lead to a lot of interesting, uh, you know, decisions on, you know, when and how to do it, uh, we'll have to see too. Remember, it's, I mean, for all intents and purposes, basically all we saw today are creatures and uh, 
planeswalker so we haven't seen really any of the spells so we don't know what kind of uh you know instant removal spells there are going to be or bounce spells or things like that so um it'll be interesting to see and i think that chris will really determine how playable both in limited and constructed they are or not you know if if there's a ton of instant removal then mutate's probably not going to be that great uh but if there's not if it's all sorcery based or uh you know if you've got several of the mutate cards that give in my opinion the worst keyword ability they've ever printed in hexproof well then you know mutate may be insane so it's just i think it's to be determined still yeah, I'm really glad you brought up the point about the top or bottom because that's something I wanted to touch on as well. I think that's going to lead to some really interesting, like you said, decisions and gameplay, uh, you know, to play out moving forward, especially at the professional level as as permutations, you know, kind of unfold with that difference there. It multiplies the permutation uh, by two. And so it's going to, there could be some really unique and maybe very interesting gameplay scenarios that come out of that. But yeah, it, it is hard to evaluate. It is likely too early. I think one of the things to segue to our final topic on the new, uh, these, you know, companion and mutate these two new mechanics we learned about was a third mechanic that's not a formal keyword, but Lockheed, one of our admins here at Conviction Gaming brought this up, and I think it's just a really fantastic observation. With all these new counters that a lot of these cards are doling out, things like a trample counter and a first strike counter and flying counter, how are you going to actually maintain all those different counters as you're looking at your board state? And, and you know, we don't have tokens for that today. So we're going to need to see how that plays out. It's going to be, I think it, there's going to be a lot of onus placed on our judges with this particular set because they're going to have to deal with these scenarios where, you know, you've got two players who are keeping track of it with dice or token, uh, I'm sorry, not tokens, counters, and, and as, you know, different color coding and things like that. And as long as they're writing it down, it should be okay. But if they're just verbalizing that and there's no written agreement, okay, you know, this is blue, this is red, this is green, it could lead to some, you know, kind of nasty gameplay experiences for people where, you know, they, they say, no, yeah, this was blue and, and trample was green. And anyway, uh, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully the immediate assumption would be that you know flying is you associate with the color that it's most commonly in so flying would be blue for strike red and so on and so forth but then there's those other unique scenarios like the the one mythic that was spoiled that can dole out counters for lifelink and death touch and all that and that's i think where it's going to get very complicated so anyway we'll see how that plays out but that's some thoughts uh, i wanted to address that that question i thought that was a great question by lockheed uh jesus any any thoughts on that to add i know that there's also a i think the biggest thing is i both love and hate that mechanic i hate it because i think i love and hate the set uh i hate that mechanic because like you said it's extreme like you said and lucky now it's gonna be extremely hard to keep track of everything but i love it because that means you have more flexibility on how you build around your creatures and how you change up the board state uh, you know me, I'm the type of person who's like, I don't care if I win or lose in Commander, I just want to have an everlasting effect on the board state, regardless of whether or not I win or lose. And I think this gives me, like players like me, much more flexibility to just mess with everyone's board, or put everyone, or pin everyone down into a position where it's extremely hard for them to do anything. And I don't know whether or not 
that is extremely healthy in a standard set. It matters on, like, again, this is just day one of spoilers. It matters on all the cards, the removal, stuff like that that's coming out later. But I'm hesitant. I'm extremely hesitant is the best way to put it. That's fair. All right, well, let's wrap this this uh, this topic up. Let's move into our next kind of agenda item, which is, I think, a very broad one. I, I suggested that we each pick and review one card that was spoiled today and, and just share our thoughts on, you know, maybe our favorite card that was spoiled today. It's certainly possible that we'll duplicate that and uh, one of us will be on the spot to pick another one. But <laughs> we'll go ahead and start that. And uh, George, I'll, I'll throw it to you first. Do you have a card, a particular card that came out today that you were, I think, you know, most interested or excited about? I'd say, um, I don't, I guess excited about, not necessarily, they, they all look fantastic. Um, the one that's probably the most appealing to me from a constructed standpoint is, uh, what, Vadrock Apex of Thunder. Um, you know, a three mana, three, three with flying and throw strikes already really, really good. Um, and then the mutation ability is whenever this creature mutates, you may cast target non-creature card. With converted mana cost three or less from a graveyard without paying its mana cost. So, the thing to keep in mind there too, I mean, people are gonna think you know instants and sorceries. Uh, this also casts enchantments, and this thing can also cast planeswalkers. So, um, you know, we'll have to see what kind of impact it has, if any, on standard, on standard or modern or any of the other formats. But uh, you know, a three mana three three flyer with multiple abilities is super cool. And then the fact that, you know, when you mutate it, you get to cast literally any non-creature graveyard or spell from your graveyard. I like I like that one. I'm going to throw one more thought in there. And I, I actually interestingly tweeted about this uh, more broadly, but it is a dinosaur and it can be cast for free with Morophon, which I think is just super cool if you're building. I, I'm all in on this idea of a five-color Dino Tribal, after all these new three-color dinos were spoiled today. And that one, you can literally cast for free if you have more fun on the battlefield. So something to think about if you're an EDH player as well. Uh, Jesus, I'll throw it over to you. What's what's your number one card? I think I have a pretty rough idea of what this is going to be based on our precast. But I'll go ahead and throw it to you, and we'll see what, what, your, uh, what your take is. So we had a discussion precast about Luminous Broodmoth, or... Um... In the Godzilla or in the Godzilla universe, Mothra. Um, now people are already going crazy over this card. People pointed out the Solemnity combo where, so this creature, whenever hmm, I forgot its stats already. Okay, Mothra. It's a four mana three four flying. Whenever a creature you control with flying dies, return to the battlefield under its owner's control with a flying counter on it. So, if something dies, it comes back with flying. Great. People imme- people's immediate thoughts are things which deny the counters being put on to begin with. So, specifically Solemnity. So, Solemnity already skyrocketed in price because of that. My thoughts were, there's so much more to this card that you can break it so easily. Um... Undying and Persist actually go infinite with this due to stack interactions. So, like, say we have a kitchen, uh, kitchen Finks on the battlefield with a sack engine. You sacrifice the Kitchen Finks. Two separate triggers enter the stack. The Luminous Broodmoth trigger and the Persist trigger. Say we have the Luminous Broodmoth trigger uh, resolve first. 
now Kitchen Finks comes back to the battlefield with a flying counter, and the persist trigger actually fizzles because it no longer can target the uh, Kitchen Finks that's in the graveyard. So now you sacrifice the uh, Kitchen Finks again. It already has flying, so it doesn't come back with Luminous uh, Broodmoth, but it does come back via persist. Rinse, repeat infinitely. You gain infinite life. This also works with Uro, which has already gotten some people's attention. Kroxa, to end games and deal damage to everyone. Um, un Undying, so... Uh, Micaeus the Unhallowed. Yeah, Messenger. Uh, and Jeralf's Messenger, other effects like that. Uh, and then... Uh, Redcap, for Persist. Like, this... This deck kind of can just find a home in any deck that cares about things dying and can just be like, oh, now we can just add a free combo in there that's on color. Because there's a combo for this in every single color it goes in. It's ridiculously gross, and I love it. Yeah, it, it was interesting. You, you brought that up precast, and it was, it was kind of like a light bulb went off. We haven't really seen this identified more broadly on social media, Twitter, Reddit, etc. So it's possible that it's been called out, but everyone, I think, was focused primarily on Solemnity, which we've, we've seen that card completely drain out of TCG player. It went from, I think, George, you had like 150 listings down to 20 or something in six hours. But what we haven't seen is any impact yet to persist type cards and so Jesus I think that was an amazing identification of that I think it legitimately could be it, it could theoretically in a lot of ways be uh janky enough to be good <laughs> and and in modern I could see with with things like Finks and Red Cap and maybe like Alter of Dementia or things like that you you might have a combo there that's actually reasonable and warranted so we'll have to see how that plays out but amazing identification of that and definitely agreed on the on the choice of cards all right so my my pick is vivian monsters advocate it is the vivian planeswalker that we saw revealed today five mana two green three generic it comes in with three loyalty and it reads you may look at the top card of your library anytime you may cast creature spells from the top of your library and then for the plus one you can create a two two beast creature token and then put your choice of a vigilance reach or trample counter on it so it protects itself and then minus two, when you cast your next creature spell this turn, search your library for a creature with lesser converted mana cost, put it on the battlefield, then shuffle your library. So this card, I think, just looks absolutely excellent from my, my, you know, where I stand. I think this, it kind of fell through and hid it in the sleeper or, you know, as a sleeper because we were so focused on all these awesome, uh, you know, alt art cards and, and, What's interesting is we got all the mythics today, I think. We got like 15 mythics today. I mean, there might be more, but but we got a lot of mythics spoiled today. And Vivian kind of just snuck under the radar from, at least in Conviction Gaming's conversations. We, we didn't talk about it very much at all, but the card itself can enable some pretty crazy things that I think might be Splinter Twin simil similarities. Like the, the minus two itself can allow you to cast creatures and, and do some janky things with like untapping and uh, you know, untapping your creatures and then doing it all over again. So I'm thinking that this card, it'll definitely see play in EDH. It's going to be really good in EDH. It's definitely going to see, in my opinion, some play in standard, just given what it can do with protecting itself and give you card advantage. 
Uh, and then, and then with that minus two, it, it's kind of sneaky in how good it could theoretically be in really other, you know, some of the other formats like maybe Pioneer specifically, where you could you could do some pretty cool things with it. So that's my pick. It pre-ordered at Star City, I think at fourteen ninety nine. That's what it shows right now. I don't know that it dropped soon or uh, if it. I don't know if it restocked at that price or if it dropped at a lower price. I didn't track it aggressively earlier today, but. I actually like it at probably $9.99, not $14.99. But I do think this has potential to be a card that ends up, you know, ends up being really good. I, I, I could see this being a really good play down the road. Um, branching off of that, Vivian, um, the minus two ability I can see being, like you said, it's a sleeper hit. It, you can potentially just dig out a combo with it. So I see this as just a harder to kill Vizier of the Menagerie that can dig out a combo for the win, and if not, it just protects itself. It protects itself with beaters and can pose a threat. This card is super scary, and I don't know why people aren't talking about it more. Yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, definitely think it's a sleeper. I actually like the other Planeswalker, Luca, that was spoiled as well, although for the sake of time, I won't dive into that uh, too much right now. The, the idea of being able to turn three, turn four, go get an Emrakul or like um, any of the titans just sounds awesome so um but leave it to me to be the person that is loving the idea of getting big beefy creatures that's like my favorite way to play magic so anyway yeah so we've got vivian uh and, and the moth and uh the three mana jeske card i i don't recall those names we'll get those posted and i apologize for not having the names right in front of me but we'll get those three posted as just recaps that we talked about so let's segue into our next topic, which is to talk through the idea of um, so really talk through the impact of cards that have moved in price already. So we, you, Jesus, you already touched on Solemnity. There have been a couple other cards that that spiked because of the obvious synergy with a card that's going to be in Commander 2020, Gabby Ness Warden. Gabby Ness Warden is a just guy card. It's one white, one red, one blue, two generic. It's a 2-5 legendary human shaman. And its ability, its first ability is you may pay zero rather than pay the cycling cost of the first card you cycle each turn. The second ability is whenever you draw your second card each turn, create a 2-2 two -two red and white dinosaur cat creature token. This this card is sparking a lot of you know interest in just the idea of a cycling deck. I think cycling is one of those cool mechanics. It's been it's been around forever. It's been around since the Urza's block, and it's a it's a cool mechanic that has seen. It's been it's been dabbled in in numerous sets. I think it showed up in, if I'm not mistaken, onslaught with the the cycle lands, and it's got a handful of other touch points throughout MTG's life. But the notion of being able to cycle cards, drawing you know two cards a turn in theory, and getting two two tokens is Pretty exciting, but what makes it more interesting is the ability to cast your first cycled card for free. And so in Conviction Gaming, I'm sure a lot of other Discord communities identified this as well. The the decree cycle from Scourge has a lot of synergy with this, and that's that's gonna be your decree of annihilation uh, type cards. They they just they the fact that you can cycle them and gain value from still cycling beyond the draw is what makes them so appealing. So like Decree of Annihilation, not not I, I'm gonna sit here and say this, and it's not my favorite card mainly because it's mass land destruction, but for free, you can essentially draw a card and destroy all lands. And that's 
pretty broken <laughs> in a lot of ways. I mean, you can do that at instant speed with cycling. So anyway, that's that's one of the big cards that move that we've seen move today. Uh, any other that you guys want to touch on? George, I knew you were tracking these. So do you want to share some of your information that you've been tracking on kind of a broader scale? Yeah, so here I'm going to copy my little spreadsheet. I'm a huge nerd, and I track from, this is God, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. There's 12 cards that, you know, multiple people in here uh, on Twitter uh, were talking about that. I've been kind of keeping a track on not really the price so much, but the number of listings on TCG. And uh, it was very interesting to see. Uh, you'll, you guys will see in this graph. So there's a massive drop in supply and solemnity. In fact, it's almost sold out. Um, that was, man, that's been a fantastic spec for me. Um, I was able to pick up a few foils at like $4 and uh, just sold a place at a few minutes ago for 13 a piece. So insane oh. uh decree of annihilation is another one that uh i've been keeping a close eye on it's uh stock is actually down almost 50 percent from the start of the day and it's not like there were a ton of them to begin with um because you know to my knowledge that one's only been printed once in scourge so not super easy to find yeah it started the day at 156 listings or at least when i started keeping track of this at 1 p.m eastern and uh just before the cast i refreshed and we're down to 82 listings. So that one's definitely, uh, you know, declining in supply rapidly as well. Uh, the only other one on that list that really has dropped quite a bit is uh, Living In. I know we've heard some people talking about that, I think, between, you know, the mutation stuff as well as uh, obviously kind of the cycling naturally getting those creatures into your graveyard. Um, everything else that was discussed has dropped a little bit, but there's either... A ton of supply in the case of some of those uh, Amonkhet block cards and Perforos, which I'm sure you'll get to later, Chris. Or, you know, there's just not a ton of demand or people haven't really caught on yet. So, Yeah, um, two things to throw out there. Uh, Decree of Annihilation did have a From the Vault printing, so it, it actually has one reprint out there. But, yeah, that one has been uh, rapidly declining. The two that I'm interested in keeping an eye on that we're also mentioning here are Decree of Silence and Decree of Justice. Those are both, uh, probably more so Decree of Silence, but those are both other ones that would fit into the Gabby cycling deck. Uh, both of those, they they both match on the color. It's blue and a white. Uh, Decree of Justice is the white one and Decree of Silence is the blue one. The blue one, Decree of Silence, allows you to counter a spell for free. So you effectively get a Force of Will plus a draw. I'm not sure how that card hasn't seen more decline, to be honest. It's it's really good. I suppose the one risk here, if you are going to go out and spec on any of these decrees, remember that we haven't seen the Commander 2020 deck, so there's a strong likelihood that these could be in the deck, but the foils look really intriguing, um, and I really like Decree of Silence from a foil standpoint. Uh, last thought on this is, I'm surprised those haven't moved more, George. I appreciate that you've been tracking these um, you know, it's, it, it's just interesting that those two haven't moved, but Decree of Annihilation has. Um, last thought is we we also talked about and the Astral Slide and Astral Drift, which would also be logical includes in a cycling deck. The, the risk on those, again, that I want to call out for everyone, don't buy those until we see the spoilers. They could easily be in there. I would actually be shocked if they weren't in the in the deck already, given the synergy with cycling. 
But if they aren't, those are going to be obvious targets to go pick up, uh, probably both in foil and non-foil, because those should see some demand if they don't get reprinted already. So, awesome. Well, that covers, we, we've talked about a lot here. We covered the new the new uh, mechanics in Ikoria. We talked about, uh, we talked about the, one of our favorite cards from the set each, and then we've talked about the cards that have moved. So let's go ahead and kind of move into a wrap-up phase here. Uh, I'll call it the cleanup step, I guess. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, well, let's talk about our picks personally. I'll start with this. Uh, George, you just gave me a great segue. You mentioned Perforos. That's a card that I, I mentioned in Conviction as what I feel actionable. There's two reasons for it. Actually, three. The first reason is because it's $1.75. It's a mythic. It's one of the more, I think, famous gods from the original Theros in the sense that the original Perforos is extremely good. It's extremely potent. It's used in a lot of different settings. It's actually seen play in modern. It's, it's definitely seen play in EDH as, a, as kind of an impact tremors uh, to, to create consistency with impact tremors. So Perforos, the name, has a lot of staying power. Per Perforos from Theros Beyond Death has not taken off in, in the slightest because of its restriction with its sneak attack ability to only being red, red or I believe artifact creatures. And so because of that, it's it's not, I'm really interested in Perforos. I spec'd on it already. I'm kind of doubling down. I actually bought uh, eight copies before the coronavirus breakout occurred and they cost me $3 a piece. And I'm feeling like I'm going to double down on this. I, I, I shouldn't say feel like I already did double down on it. The the price that I got in at was $1.75. I bought 28 copies of it, just just standard pack pack rare or uh, pack mythic version. But the reason I really like it for moving forward for standard is because we've got a long way to go in standard itself. We we figure this thing's got two years before it rotates. And with us getting Ikoria already with these big creatures, we haven't seen all the creatures, but we've seen a big chunk of the mythics. I feel like it's a matter of time before we get a good target for Perforos. I also really like it alongside some of the cards that came out today. Uh, just, just with the notion of Perforos being able to sneak these, these larger creatures in and potentially giving like the sacrifice trigger at the end of turn. I don't know. I, I, I could see this coming into play uh, more broadly as Ikoria plays out. So that's my pick. It's it might be a, a shot in the dark here, but I, I feel like Perforos for a buck seventy five is just too cheap and that this card will eventually find its way into a deck in standard and, and move up from there. At at a dollar seventy five it also feels like it could directly go lower, of course, obviously. Um, but with EDH support, it's already seen play uh, a little bit in EDH as a commander 300, 300 decks core in EDH rec. And another 800 decks as just to include in the 99. So you've kind of got to back up uh, longer term if this thing doesn't hit in standard. So the one I've been looking at um, actually has been Gissinger. Um, I think I bought like maybe eight or 12 copies already. It wasn't a ton, but kind of the same exact things for Feroz. Um, You know, from a set that was open a lot, but mainly just because of uh, what Liliana, The Last Hope. Uh, let's see. I think it's also hovering about the same price, you know, $1.50, $2, which honestly for a Mythic Rare is not a ton. Um, and what the reason I was looking at it is because of, where is that card again? 
the new card, uh, Gyruda, Doom of Depths, uh, is a new card coming out in Ikoria. Has a companion ability. Your starting deck contains only cards with even converted mana costs. Uh, so Gissinger off, uh, conveniently enough, for casting cost. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, put the top four cards of your library into your graveyard. During each of your turns, you may cast a zombie creature card from your graveyard. So it's going to fit right in uh, you know, with the new card and a, essentially a new deck. Uh, Garuda says when it enters the battlefield, each player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard. Put a creature card with an even converted mana cost from among those cards onto the battlefield under your control. So, you know, worst case scenario... Unless you completely brick and you know mill four lands and don't have anything in your graveyard, then you're going to be able to put one of your cards, uh, you know, onto the battlefield. And you know, in a great scenario, I don't know, your opponent's got some absurd card in their graveyard that they discarded earlier for whatever reason, and you get to you know put that into play under your control. So uh, I definitely think there's going to be a deck around even casting cost zombies with Gyruda and uh, Gissinger off. And yeah, right now. Guess is at what just under right at four to five dollars for foils i'm seeing uh lightly played copies for right at two dollars and uh, i don't think it's a slam dunk by any means that's another one if you look on the graph i shared in our discord i've been keeping uh, track of the you know supply on it and it hasn't really drained much but i do think once people kind of start to figure it out and start to brew and figure out hey kissinger off goes kind of hand in hand with this new card, it's in the exact colors. It's an even mana cost. It's a mythic rare. Uh, I think, you know, the hype's going to pick up and uh, should see some supply drain and hopefully some price gain with that one. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, we were talking about that one. Um, we mentioned it in here. Uh, I think when we were just kind of rattling off ideas, I think I said the Scarab God initially, and I was totally wrong because that would immediately knock out the ability, the companion ability. But uh, no, I like that call. Jesus, what do you got? Um, I'm going to say a modern, well, I wouldn't say staple, but but a modern classic in Kitchen Finks. Uh, not only do, is Kitchen Finks already seeing play in well, modern in several decks, especially considering the new um, Heliod ended up pushing a collected company deck with Kitchen Finks in it. Uh, because of Heliod's ability you can go infinite uh, life gain with just a sack engine. Uh, but also because of the Broodmoth, allowing Kitchen Finks much more flexibility outside of just modern. So you, now you're seeing potential cross-format play, as well as it already has a safe home in one format, where Broodmoth might even see play in that very deck. So... I feel like Kitchen Finks might go up as people are going to start messing around with um, different brews involving Broodmoth and different brews with the uh, Coco Heliod deck. Yeah, we talked about all these precasts when you identified the persist mechanic interaction. And I went out and I looked at the prices. The, the one thing Kitchen Finks has working against it is, is sheer supply. It's got a lot of print runs it's from shadow more it's got a modern masters and then an ultimate masters it also has an fnm promo so there's quite a few printings but we've seen this before if a modern deck took off and and you know maybe this was enough to push that green white uh green white build you were referencing with heliod from theros beyond death if that thing were able to push into a winning position i've actually i, I was just looking while you were talking there jesus and it's actually taken down some really small tournaments 
based on some results, uh, even dating back to as recent as February 29th, it won a, it won a, a small, a small uh, tournament. But if that were enough to push it over the top and turn it into a tier one competitor in modern, not you know, not like a fringe playable, but really a clear, clear competing deck in the format. Um, despite the large amount of print run, I agree with you. I think this thing would, the, the Kitchen Pinks would definitely take off. It used to be like a $5 card a long time ago, but it's been reprinted so many times. So, cool. Well, those are great picks. I'll, uh, I'll get those summarized, uh, you know, in our, in our cast notes. We've, we've got, I think a lot on, on deck for the rest of the weekend. Interestingly enough, we've got spoilers going all the way through the weekend. We're going to see all about Commander 2020. And then Ikoria will pick back up in, in more depth, uh, both tomorrow, Friday, and Monday. So we'll be, if you're tuning in for the first time to our cast, check us out, check out our Discord. You, We, we are free this month. We're closing it down to a premium Discord starting on May 1st. Uh, that'll be a dollar a month minimum to to access it. But in April, we've paused all of our billing. It is free to join. You can there, there's still just a free invite link out on our website, convictiongaming.com, or you can find us on Twitter at at convictionmtg. We are really excited. I think for the rest of Ikoria, we'll be covering it like crazy. You know, we're we're uh, we've got a very active Discord, so just want to get that little plug in for us. Uh, if you're interested in in what we do, feel free to support us. Please support us. Not feel free, but please support us. We're, we have a lot of exciting plans to grow this place uh, from a community standpoint, from a content standpoint. And with everything going on with the coronavirus externally, we are not urgently looking to charge folks to grow. We're, we're kind of just steady state right now. But once this thing blows over, hopefully we'll, we'll get through this on the other side in, in the real near future. And when we do, we have a lot of plans to take this thing to the next level. So take a look at our Patreon. You can find us out there. It's on our, the link to that is also on our website. And uh, other than that, guys, George, Jesus, thanks for thanks for taking the time out. We'll be, we'll be right around 40 minutes on the cast, which is perfect. Thanks for having me as always. Thanks for having me, man.